This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, Popcorn Talk fans, to Anatomy of Movie. We're going to discuss the movie that took all of our breaths away. That's right. It's Don't Breathe. And we're here to talk about it. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Get out your turkey basters, because we're going to talk about it all tonight oh. on Don't Breathe. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. And I'm Phil Svitek. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. As always, uh, we assume that you've seen the movie... So it's very spoiler-filled, so if this is your first time joining us, uh, and obviously if you haven't seen the movie, it's not just about a blind guy, there's many other twists and turns, so uh, definitely go see the movie, then come back to us. Um, also, our rundown with our notes is in the description box, you can download it, that way you can uh, you know, see, see all the notes that we have, and as we discuss them, uh, you can see where we've pulled them and all the direct quotes and so forth. Uh, in the meantime, though, let's get started. Marissa, overall thoughts um, on well, this crazy movie as we hear that <laughs> uh, this is like American history, already. American horror story type music. Very true, very true. Well, you know me, Phil. I'm not the biggest fan of scary, and the fact I've seen two scary movies within like two months. This is more is thriller than horror, though. I'm a big thriller fan. Um, I. I went into this film knowing that there was going to be a twist because, you know, of the industry we work in. I heard there was a twist. And sure enough, the twist at the end was, like, so messed up. I'm like, ugh, I'm not sure if I like this movie because of the twist. But I'm not sure if I, you know, disliked it because it did was unexpected. So, I don't, overall, like, I like the concept of it. And it did keep me on the edge of my seat. And I'm glad it didn't really, you know, uh, like, depend on the loud noises, the the audio cues that always you always hear in scary movies that always, like, tell a person, hey, it's scary now, you know? Mm-hmm. So it didn't rely on those uh, tropes of when you, you should be scared. So overall, it's a scary world. This, this movie left me, I was like, wow, there are really people like this. Uh, don't go to Detroit, apparently. Uh, I, I'll say this: I, I really this movie took me by surprise. Uh, you know, I thought just based on the trailer, I thought it, it conveyed its message quite well and got enough people excited. But uh, and yet, it, and I thought that it would had had given everything that it could away in the trailer. It did not, and yeah. he, you know, even as the story was progressing, because it took them a long time to sort of get to the house. Even though it is a ninety-minute movie, you know um, all those things leading up to it too were still very interesting um, and and whatnot. And what I loved once we're in the house, especially, is it's overall visual, and we're seeing these people sort of react and and what thinking what they can do. We talked about this with Jason Bourne, right? We felt like the new Jason Bourne movie was missing some of those elements. Where you're seeing the the you the know thought Jason, process yeah the thought yeah. process being put together and this one uh, it's conveyed 
on both sides, and that's what I liked. Uh, you know, both the quote unquote killer as well as our protagonist. What I liked about it overall too was that for most of the movie, once you're in the house, there's not really a clear cut line of who's good, who's bad, because these little shits are trying to break into his house, right. steal his money. Uh, so you know they're not really that good. Um, and the only, and then the the you know so at the end you kind of have to have that element to really drive it home of like okay wow as messed up as these kids are this guy's really messed up. Mm-hmm. So you know it's it's the lesser of two evils rather than a good and a bad. Right, and watching this as we see that these kids are miscreants and whatnot, and they're invading a poor guy's, well, not really poor, but like this this seemingly innocent guy's home, I was like, you know what, you kind of had it coming. You guys are little shits going in and you know, trespassing. So it's like, whatever happens to you, it's, you know, Carmen's a bitch. It, it's going to come back to you and bite you. Yeah. So I didn't really feel bad at some points. Yeah, what I what I liked about it too. So, uh, Feder Alvarez, you know, th- th- this is a movie in direct reaction to Evil Dead, the Evil Dead the remake that he made a few years ago, um, also with Jane, by the way, in it. Um, but where he took criticism. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. price Priceline that it was a remake and it was unoriginal uh and that it was just relied too much on gore he mm-hmm. he basically took those notes and hence this kind of came out of it an original story and perhaps a little less gore well i didn't see evil dead any versions of it so i went in to this film with a fresh slate and uh with not really expecting his style or what what he's known for so I, I like the fact that it didn't know because it made it more interesting to watch throughout because no. it wasn't really spoiled or looking for a specific thing that i know from a director if you if you're a big fan of a director you're expecting like x y and z i didn't have that mm-hmm. well he hasn't done too many movies so you know and obviously from evil dead to this it's although there's certain things like that it's obviously a big switch um, that's what he was going for. And what I liked also, too, as he stated it, you know, in most of the like the, the, the villain has all these not necessarily like actual superpowers, but they're strong as can be. Right. You give them every ability that they can. And in this one, well, you took away his ability, which mm-hmm. is sight. sight. And then therefore he has to rely on everything else. Um, and so I, I enjoyed that much thoroughly, very thoroughly. Um. And I would have loved to read up on this a little bit more, but he he got his inspiration while uh, growing up in um, Uruguay. Oh. It's a little frightening. I don't know if I now want to visit Uruguay. What's down in Uruguay? That's so scary. (laughs) Um, But um, number one in terms of, so as, as we break down the story, what I appreciated most about it was none of this was spelled out to us, right? So... Um, you know, Dylan's character, 
um what's his name alex right right uh you know he's the one he he's part of the main group because they need his father to get him you know the the, the alarm systems and whatnot the codes yeah um and obviously it's very simple and we all understand it but in that no one ever said it to us in the movie we just got it and mm-hmm. that's what i appreciate it just trusted its audience unlike most movies do Right, and I felt like this movie, again, had that mean person, follower, and wannabe trope Mm -hmm. in this film, just like the Bad Moms or whatever film you can point out. And we had the mean girl, uh, the the mean guy with, you know, money, and then the follower, which was uh, Rocky, and then you had the wannabe, which was Alex. So Mm -hmm. we definitely had that through and through. I am glad it was such a small cast because it was a simple story, and it wasn't... We could clearly pick out each person's personalities and where they fit into this plan of breaking into a house. Absolutely. Uh, which, by the way, I hate the fact that he is called Money. I thought that was. Yeah, it was just a punk name. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're. He tried to be cool. You're not. Um, yeah. Well, also, by the way, I thought you might appreciate this, right? Since you, you know the, the the trope of the three, and I think it makes even more sense in this one because. Uh, in Christianity, right? There's the devil on your left shoulder whispering uh, evil, and mm-hmm. the angel on your right shoulder whispers good. Well, money is the bad influence um, that is standing on Roxy's, Roxy, uh, Rocky's left when she dies. And Alex, who tried to get Rocky to walk away, later tries to save her, is standing on her right when he dies. Oh, yeah. I didn't really think about that. That's true. So I like that. You know, um, some visual symbolism. They didn't what I they didn't overstate it, but you know, they try to bring in a lot of morality and you know, the idea of does God exist and does not, especially at the end when he says, How can there be a God? Yeah. A man is capable of anything when they accept there is no God. Which was very really nihilistic. messed up. My God. Um, uh, really bad. Um so I mean I guess the one of the best places to start overall, let's let's start with the blind man. Um, which in he's Kind of credited as the blind man, but there's articles written where he's referred to as Nordstrom. Yeah, um, and the director, Fide, he actually said there's a shot where we see the blind man in his uniform, his vet army uniform and whatnot, and there's his name tag on his jacket that actually reads out Nordstrom. Or Nord, yeah, whatever his name is. <laughs> We're going to call it Nordstrom. But <laughs> Nordstrom, no. Nordum. We are not affiliated with Nordstrom, Nord, nor are we yes, in his promotion name. of Nordstrom. <laughs> But, well, that Nordstrom the store name. or the blind man? <laughs> the blind man's name. Um, what, did you, what did you think of Stephen Lang overall? I mean, I, I thought he did, again, this needed to be believable in order for it to work. And he played this so well. I think it's great because I've seen Stephen Lang in the television show um, Salem. And he played the main antagonist of that season. So, like, I know what he's capable of acting-wise. And I know he could be such a jerk and you, like, just want to hate him. And I think he did really well in this because we're conditioned as an audience to not like this guy. Or root against him because we had the other three anti-heroes, I guess you can call them. But uh, I knew, so I knew what he was capable of acting-wise. And then at the end, when he was very twisted, I'm like, yeah, I believe it, because he's so good. I don't want to say people pigeonhole him, but he's played a lot of characters where he's always the bad guy. 
and or the messed up guy. Well, Avatar, um, and I remember him from Terra Nova. Although he wasn't, he wasn't very evil in Terra Nova. Okay. But he was like a leader and and whatnot. Yeah. And I know he has a lot of physical strength because just physically he's very toned and um, very muscular in that way. So like I, I knew they were gonna be very physical with his character, and and we saw a lot of hand to hand kind of combat. So yeah. I, I think it did great, and he just kind of has a physical, menacing, you know, attributes uh, to him. Yeah, which, which really obviously helps. worked because you know the whole notion is that he has a military background, hence why he's uh, this good. Um, interesting. They, they gave him contact lenses that restricted his vision, especially in low when there was already low light. Yeah. Um, which I think obviously makes sense because then rather than have to figure out, okay, I'm going to, like, he really can't see. Yeah, I mean, and good for him. Uh, the the fact that, like, it, this still hindered his sight, but I don't think it hindered his performance. It, if anything, it, it enhanced his performance. And I like the fact that he said in interviews that the contacts would diminish his sight by, like, 60%, which is a good amount. And then when you take away the light, for most of the scenes he was in, took away maybe twenty more, twenty percent more. So, but he said there was always people on the set who was always like physically guiding him, so he wouldn't trip over objects or cables um, during production. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, because even though the house overall looks decluttered, yeah, when you're on an actual film set, bright mm, yeah. anything off screen is literally fair game for production to be like, okay, we're gonna put a C stand here. Yep, cable, cable. Watch the cables. Um, absolutely. And, you know, what, what I, what I liked about it, and it's a combination of the acting, the sound design, and also the cinematography is, uh, you know, it just, it just takes its time. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about that, you know, ad nauseum probably today is it's just the calculations of it all. Um, and I think the biggest calculation too, that he had to make, cause at no point does he know, does anyone state to him how many people there are? He has to, on his own, figure out... He, he figured out, oh, wait, the money's gone. Therefore, it's not just the one guy that it killed. There's more people. Mm-hmm. And then based on the shoes, he deduces that it's three. Yeah. Which I thought was really smart because they used... They take away his vision, but they enhanced his other senses. And then they really added that just to his character building. Like, oh, because he can't see, he can smell really well. And the fact that he can smell three different pairs of shoes, it's like, how, what else is he capable of? Imagine if someone farted. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Ew. Um, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Well, when he's by himself, he doesn't really have to worry about it. No, but for like, the most part. yeah, no, but like a silent but deadly from, uh, from either Rocky or Alex, and they'd be uh, like, oh, I smell you. I don't think it's that kind of film. <laughs> Um, it, it would have if that went in, I would have just laughed. That would have made it definitely just a cheesy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 but the, yeah, it, the fact that he could smell and like he was, it's good that he knew his house so well because even watching the the audience watching Rocky and Alex keep going through the house, we still don't know like really how big the house is. Or because they kept finding themselves in, like, a dead end or trapped in a room. We're like, okay, we, we personally don't even know the house layout. But no. the guy did. Blind yeah. man did. And that, that's always great, too. Like, uh, how many times, like, once you, number one, he's already, you know, he wasn't always blind. 
Um, so, you know, he's gotten to know the house that way. But secondly, even if he was, like, at this point, he knows the house well enough. It's one of those things, like, at least for me, growing up, we had, a, you know, three stories. And, you know, once I got to know the house well enough, I could literally run in the entire house without any lights on. Because I knew how it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I find, you know, that's also a big advantage. So regardless of whether he's uh, able to see or not. Um, I thought one of the interesting, in terms of what Alvarez says, uh, I think the first list we put together of actors, he was on the top. There was no doubt that he was the perfect fit for it, and thank God uh, when we approached him, he said yes right away. It was one of those things where, because he played a military guy in the past, it was very interesting to see what he was going to do with this guy who has visual impairment. It was like, what if what if that guy was from that other movie, got visually impaired, and was left to his own devices, and is the last man standing in this forgotten neighborhood? Mm, yeah. I, I think that's really good. It's, I mean, it's a scary notion, and the fact that they got who they wanted you know, to cast, first of all, I mean, that happens every once in a blue moon for a production. So, I mean, yeah. and I think, I really can't picture anyone else in the role of the blind man who could have pulled this off. No, I don't think just so. Just as well. And, you know, we go back, it, it is a very visual role, um, so much so that he only has 13 lines of dialogue. Yeah. One of which is, I'm not a rapist. I never forced myself. Uh, so messed up. Watching the movie, like, I remember clearly thinking, it was like, he's only said about two words, who's there? Yeah, and and it's already like an, an hour into the movie. It's like this guy does not talk, but he's scary. Indeed, uh, there's been comparisons made to Daredevil, and Zach, who is in the booth, obviously is a huge fan of Daredevil so much so that he's the producer of Popcorn Talks uh, Marvel Movie News. And I wanted to kind of get your insights. You haven't seen the movie, Zach, but uh, in, in terms of at least hearing us speak thus far, uh, can you draw any comparisons and differences? between daredevil and him i mean the big thing with daredevil is that his hearing is so enhanced that he can basically see Mm -hmm. so that's it's not about like if you were standing there and uttering even the smallest breath he would know exactly where you were you would have to literally not breathe for until you died or he'd find you yeah and obviously with this one uh every yeah, we'll talk. I mean, I'll talk about it now. But the sound design—if that didn't work, mm-hmm. um, it would have not been believable. Yeah, and like I was saying before at the top of the show, that like I'm glad that they didn't. There, there were so many moments throughout the movie where it got quiet, and we know whenever it gets quiet, there's going to be a moment where it's going to get loud and scare the crap out of everybody. They've had a lot of those moments in this film. But I'm glad they didn't, like, always rely on creaky floors, creaky doors. We had a couple of those. But it wasn't throughout the whole freaking film. Or, uh, you know, just, like, sound of something, like a cat jumping out of a closet or something no. scaring you. I mean, we had a dog. but We got the dog, but... Uh, and we'll like, talk about the dog in one moment. Go ahead, Zach. Well, like, primarily, like, his hearing is not enhanced to the point where he can hear heartbeats, I'm assuming. No, no. no. He's that's, very much human. Yeah, that's the that's the the extreme difference with Daredevil is that he's like human lie detector because he can even hear your heartbeat sitting <laughs> across a room. Oh wow! Yeah. So if you moved your arm really fast, you'd be he would have found you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you know that was the interesting part. Like I I, I bought you know you needed some of those things between the doors and the creeks um, because 
especially an old house like that, uh, it just happens. It's the same way, like, mm-hmm. when you try to eat a bag of chips and you're trying to be as quiet about it as possible, that shit makes so much noise. Especially in a movie theater. Yeah, and you're just like, I just want my nachos. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> right. But I think that's also the problem with, like, just scary movies across the board. Everyone just needs to invest in some WD-40. <laughs> There's wow. so many squeaky doors. And it's like, mm, that that's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, speaking of the dog, I thought that was a great way to sort of any 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 limitations that he did have in terms of his sight. And I, I love that every time that they thought they escaped and they're like, OK, great. He can't see us. He can't whatever. Boom. Dog. You have the dog. Um, I liked it. And then I didn't uh, with the dog. Um, I like the fact that. The dog went everywhere where um, he couldn't, the blind man couldn't, like physically in ducks or out on the street and whatnot. Um, I like that. I didn't like it because I wasn't sure who to be more afraid of, the dog or the blind man. I was like, are we splitting the, the fear of the audience between two characters now or just one? Well, technically, I looked at it like this way. The fact that he has that much control over this dog, he... You know, he is the master. That is just, it's an extension of his abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than like, oh, who's who's evil? Is it the dog or him? Yeah. I didn't like the uh, the moments when Rocky was running away from the dog and she trapped him in the car. I'm like, why bring him closer to you? Why trap him in literally the same place you are? Well, at that point, where... To me, it made sense because it's like, where where are you gonna? Where else are you gonna trap him? You don't have the keys to the car. Um, if you go outside, then you're done for. So if you can get him here and escape, then he's in the car, which you don't need at that point because you're gonna just run away from a blind man who can't see you. Yeah, Rocky frustrated me at some points because there were so many moments where she was running. Or, like, all of them more so. But there were moments when she was running, and she would just stop and turn around just to, like, see where everybody was. Like, no, just keep running. That's how they catch up to you, because you stop and you're still wondering where they are. It's like, no, that that's why she got caught so many freaking times. Uh, okay, so let's switch gears. I was like, keep running. <laughs> um, uh, remind, mm-hmm. we, we will definitely talk about the twist, but uh, we can move on to, to Rocky for the, for the time being. Um, played by Jane Levy, as mentioned, she's been in Evil Dead. Also played Bandy in in, 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 in Shameless, which I did not know, even though I love that show. Yeah, completely, uh, completely looks different. Interesting. I've never seen Shameless, so good for her for having different genres that she's a part of. Uh, they're both, they're both crude. That's <laughs> what I'll say. All right. Um, I wouldn't put it past to have a baster and Shameless at one point. Oh, that's terrible. All right. But, Phil, before we move on, we got to talk about our awesome sponsor, Blue Apron. I mean, we, as you can tell, thank you, everyone, who listens to us every single week. We love you on Anatomy of a Movie. But we also have something that we want to tell you. Our good friends over at Blue Apron, if you love cooking your home-cooked meals... Blue Apron is definitely the company that allows you to to do that. They send you food via mail. They ship food right to your house. And they have pre-portioned meals. And 
great meals that you can cook with ingredients, instructions how to properly cook it, and it's all for cheap. Each meal is about $10. I'm not much of a cook, so I'm definitely going to use this blue apron. Some of the meals that they can send you are paprika spiced shrimp and shredded grits. I mean, that sounds fantastic. Spicy hose and chicken stir fry and baby bok choy with sesame ginger cucumber salad. Delicious. Eggplants and chickpea tangine with islander pepper tomatoes and couscous. Summer udon noodle salad with cherry tomatoes, corn, and summer sweet peppers. Those are just some of the meals. That's not even covering all the meals that they can send you. It's really cool. Blue Apron has a deal with us. If you check out their menu on blueapron.com, but also use the promo code ANATOMY, so that's blueapron.com slash ANATOMY, check out the menu, and they will send you the first three meals. That's three meals. That's $30 value. First three meals free with free shipping. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that. That's a great deal. Blueapron.com slash anatomy you will love how good it feels how good it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals all at the help of blue apron i don't cook i'm definitely going to use them and just listing the the meals that they can offer you is making me hungry right now and i just want to go online and check this out blueapron.com slash anatomy and don't need a turkey baster to use it um but however, okay, so the, one of the more interesting parts was uh, so Alvarez, he's talking about her as well, and he says, I think Jane arrived on set, and five minutes later she realized this might have been a mistake. A lot of that suffering you see on screen is real. This movie was very hard to make on the actors. On Evil Dead, it was more the physicality of all, like being covered in blood every single day and makeup and all that. On this one, this was a bit more the psychological t- torment of what's going on and what she was going to be put through. Um, you have to make sure that the actors are not too relaxed or not too comfortable. You misdirect the actor and you tell him you're going to walk down this hallway and the guy's going to come to your left and you prepare for that. But at the last second, you change it and you can make him come from the right. You get the real reactions out of them. Then they just scream at you, but that doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, I think that's good for some misdirection of the actors because that conveys real genuine acting in the moment. Yeah. And the, I mean, because we saw that one shot of not Jane, but of Alex when we saw the blind man walking by him in the hall and he had to, you know, stop and move. Um, so I, I think it's like moments like that where actually it's like you get real physicality um, yeah. during those scary moments. You don't know when they're after you. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's not, you know, you're not necessarily need to, you don't need to go method, let's say, but. Uh, you know, it's so obviously when you're portraying a character, you have to understand where they're coming from. And these are tormented kids. I mean, in terms of Jane, one of the most telling, it, 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 you know, you can kind of look at it maybe as a cliche that she comes from a broken family, but very easily does it sim- at least it simplifies, okay, why she's doing this. I mean, the mother basically. Uh, yeah. And we she implies t- she sucks dick for a living. Come right. On. And like we were talking before we went live that like. Her background story, all right, I get it. She doesn't come from the best stable home. She's pissed with her family. She doesn't have a real, you know, um, model figure or, like, person to model her life on or good, solid foundation. So, like, I get it. She just needs money to get out of there. Anyone would, but, like, that this general trope of that doesn't 
allow someone to be an asshole, you know? Well, but but it does it it does let you understand her circumstances and whatnot. I mean, you know, so even the even though she's stealing money, you understand, okay, wow. She needs this money in order to survive because the mom she's not going out and making money. And the mom doesn't provide. I mean, she, yeah, she's absolutely atrocious. Yeah, and what I gathered from Alex's character, going when we see him at the beginning of the film and he's going through his own house, I was like, that's a really nice house. He seems, and we saw the photos, like he has a dad, he has some family, whatever. He seems like he comes from a more stable home, a more financially stable home too. So like the fact that he's breaking into homes just made me dislike him. I'm like, so you're just being a jerk. <laughs> you're just, why are you doing it out of boredom? Like, I don't think he's well. I, I think he's, you know, I, I think him and Jane are obviously as as money says to him, like just play the best friend role. And I think they have been best friends for a long time, and he does know her situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's only heightened uh, when she. I I did like the metaphor of the butterfly, uh, not the butterfly, the ladybug. Ladybug. Um, that was a very sad story. It was, and it really. I mean, I get it if it's to, it was added in to make the audience feel more for her character. And she's like, okay, she's more humanistic, I guess, and we can kind of relate to her. But in the end, it didn't really help her either, the ladybug. She got free, sure. Well, yeah, but that's why it was, you know, the whole point was not that she was supposed to be free in any sort of way. It was just that it offered her, not hope, just, just friendship you know something that like just even down to that basic sense something that she's never had it's just company of something that doesn't care who she really is and will accept her the way she is okay and that is very sad and in the end she only had her sister so that's it yep um so yeah i mean she's She was very, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, what I liked about this film, though, is that they did a good setup of anti-heroes. Because Mm -hmm. at some points they were against these guys, the the three kids, teenagers, young adults, whatever you want to call them. Um, You're against them, and then, like, throughout the film... Like, we, they build up the bad man as the more evil guy, or, like, the, the more the bigger antagonist and then that makes the audience kind of run a roof for the protagonist now so and you weren't yeah. expecting that well i think i think a couple of things work really well we got rid of money right off the bat yes he was God. the only he was the only like thing that would like it could have actually been worse than the blind man probably if he continued down in life all right and i'm like i'm glad money well it sounds terrible but like i'm glad money died because he didn't really add anything other than you know a headache (laughs) yeah um but so then at least with the other two um alex and 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 rocky though they were doing this as they said no one got they they knew no one no one was supposed to get hurt right Mm -hmm. secondly they had just their their rules right nothing over ten thousand dollars because it you know you know, based on the law, it would get them a certain amount of time in prison and whatnot. Uh, definitely no guns, right? They talked about that, and right. that's what money. So money broke all these rules, and he really set this thing in motion. Uh, had they just gone with Alex's plan, uh, or at least his rules, then it, it would have been fine. Um, and so I appreciate that side of it, of like that 
they actually had rules, you know, and obviously money didn't have rules because he, he could care less, but Alex and, and Rocky did. Yeah. And I'm like, it kind of showed that they had some moral morality with these characters, but the fact that they're, they were still okay with doing it. And I, I think that another rule was that they don't go after cash. No either. cash because that can be traced. Yeah. Uh, which I think is smart because it shows that they've obviously done it enough to know what their limitations are. Well, I, that or versus, like, I think Alex has just done enough research. Like he, he's obviously knowledgeable in this world and understands the laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the whole idea is, yeah, if they get caught, let's, you know, whatever, it's minor. Yeah, but at the end of the film, that was, like, really the least of their worries. Well, that that's what we can't... Yeah, I, 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 you know, I like that sort of switch, and he was like, well, fuck it, like... It's it, just robbery compared to... Compared to what, this. Compared to what the blind man was doing. A hundred percent. So, let's, uh, without tiptoeing about it any fur- further, let's just get right into the sort of ending of it all. Yep, let's do it. The twist, the turkey baster. Oh, so messed up. I okay. (laughs) Okay, but let me ask you this. All right. As seriously and you know for and what would have been worse, rape or that? Worse, uh, I think actually killing and then post mortem rape. Okay, well, that doesn't accomplish his goal of having and, a child, does it? I know, but the, there are so many levels of messed up there is in just the world, the psychological messed up. But for this film, I'm glad they didn't fully go there. It, it built it up enough that the audience knew what was, what was going to happen. I'm glad they didn't actually show it. Well, they showed the, the, the mm-hmm. all that in his mouth. Yes, and I wanted Choking to... Choking on his own jizz. Yeah, I wanted to literally throw up. And I've actually read in interviews, there are some select theaters that offer vomit bags <laughs> to the audiences before they would go and sit and watch this film. And I'm like, I think that yep. kind of prepares you. You're like, I, wait, I why do I need why? a vomit bag? Yeah, I understand why. I understand it, but if I got one, yeah, I'd just be like, wait. What the fuck am I going to watch? Why do I need a vomit bag? I've never been handed a vomit bag in a movie theater before. Nope. But um, I guess he had it coming too. That it was just nasty to watch though. It was very nasty to watch. But I will say, in the crazy fucked up world of of, uh, Don't Breathe, in his way, honestly, as, as, as messed up as it is, right? Because... You know, ultimately, like no character thinks they're evil, and so the blind man doesn't, as he said, doesn't look at himself as evil, and he really believed that okay, like rape was doing harm to them, versus this, like mm-hmm. he's just getting what was taken away from him, and he says like he has no further um, uh, actions necessary with the like once this is done, they're released and good to go. Yeah. Now yeah. psychologically, they're scarred. Yeah. This week, but. He, you know, again, so was he, and his child was taken away from him, and there was no recourse. Um, it's really messed up. 
Um, I but I, I don't want to say I liked, but I liked the twist that it was because you're going into it thinking it's a scary movie or some like supernatural aspects are maybe involved with this, but no, it's really that sad realization that there are humans out in the world that are mentally messed up as this blind man. And the fact that he's trying to justify his actions, the fact that he doesn't believe in God, therefore like nothing can stop him. I mean, doesn't, he has that God, God complex and the fact that he doesn't, well, it's, and it's kind of just hard to formulate into words because a woman treating women in that way, he doesn't see that it was wrong. Well, it would be, I mean, the, the interesting part, okay, so you're kind of wondering, well, well, what would have happened if a guy killed his child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can only speculate on that. But I think the scarier part is, I don't think, yes, he's he's sort of, he had this within him. You could say that. But at the same time, it's also the world that's driven him to this. You know what I mean? It's it, it, it's like the chicken and egg and the egg. Like, is it really him? Because I don't know. Like, if he had his child all along, I don't, you know, I can't imagine him necessarily doing what he did. However, he had it within him all along to be able to do this. Right. So it, it becomes a very interesting conversation. And I would love uh for you watching or listening to let us know what you guys think ultimately and i and again please don't just dismiss it. I, I think that's the 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 real um not novelty but the but the real sort of um trying trying to think of the word but the the, the the real success of this movie is there is that ambiguity and it does make you wonder um and I think I think it's too easy to just dismiss him as like, oh, this guy's evil, and there's pe- messed up people in the world. I don't think it's that simple. And if we no, continue to make it that not. simple, then I, th- I think again, then people like this will exist. Yeah, it, it's definitely not. And I think that's why I liked the character of the blind man because he was messed up in layered form. There were so many different aspects to this character. Yes, he was blinded, but then also he was like emotionally kind of stripped as well. Um, stripped of his daughter, stripped of his newborn child that was now not there anymore. And then the fact that he's just trying his best to keep a family because that seems like the only thing he has going on for him in his life. Like, I understand that. Still messed up the way he went about it to go fix this problem. Um, Again, I say, like, who else was, you know, no one was helping him. No, no one would help him. No. That's the interesting part. Um, so let us know what you guys think. I'm, re- I'm, I'm, I'm really interested. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot to discuss there. Yeah. I think visually, just watching it, uh, it it's not like a snuff film kind of per se, but watching it was actually very scary. Like, because there was the real time slowly building up to what he was doing with the turkey baser, walking over to her, actually cutting her pants with like, no, the the anticipation of what is to be expected was horrific. Uh, which, by the way, I just want to know the scientific merits of this. Um, I don't know if anyone's actually had a chance to look into that. Uh, because I'm not entirely sure you can just load up a turkey baster and load that in, if uh, you will. Apparently it worked the first time. <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, in terms of the home invasion genre 
uh, it's kind of interesting because it, you know, it's a the home invasion thriller is one of the most terrifying subgenres. It turns out your house is the battleground, and average citizens um, are, are turned both into victims and heroes. And I think that's really well stated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to point out a couple of movies like that: Panic Room, You're Next, The Strangers, Kidnapped, Desperate Hours, Vacancy, um, and Funny Games. Those are, uh, according to, um, is it oh, Entertainment? Yeah. Uh, I, I forget which. Uh, news site kind of cited those as the top eight um, movies. Panic Room. Definitely. I can definitely say that. Yeah. That was great. Um, now, I wanted to talk about this, but you you know about this movie, but unfortunately, <laughs> you've never seen this movie. Nothing and I wanted not. to, because it's, it's an interesting similarity. Uh, of all things to compare to, Aubrey Hepburn's Wait Until Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was an interesting comparison because, uh, number one, Aubrey Hepburn was nominated for an Academy Award um, in 67 for this. And in it, she plays a young blind woman. Um, so Yeah, and Ellen Arkin was the, the blind man who goes into her house and pretty much terrorizes her. Um, I've known about this film. I have not seen it. But the the whole concept of... Being the the victim who's blinded and you don't know what to do because someone else is invading your personal space, that's just scary in and of itself. And then it's the twist that whoever is invading your home is actually after you, rather mm-hmm. than it not be materialistic items, but actually after you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did that very well. Yeah, so it's an interesting... Uh... Marissa, your dad's put it on your to-do list. I'm putting yeah. it on your to-do list. Go watch it. And right. for you watching or listening, uh, it's it's interesting. And it's like of Aubrey Hepburn, of all people. Like the fact that I can make a comparison with Don't Breathe and Turkey Basters going up. Right. Things. But, I mean, Alan Arkin's also in that film, and he's an Academy Award-winning man yes. as well. Yes, he is. Um, so definitely definitely check that out. It's an older movie, but it's it's pretty damn good. Um, but co- films like that, like the because that film came out in 1967, that's when they use practical effects so well. That's before mm-hmm. visual, you know, graphics and um, you know, computer CGI uh, affecting things. That's like based on actual practical filming, which I think makes it more scary. Well, find out. I guess I'll have to and check back in. Um, interesting. The, the original title of this was going to be A Man in the Dark which I think is a terrible title, so I'm glad Don't Breathe (laughs) was chosen. Um, And the house where the old man lives, even though it's in... I don't know if there's many Spanish streets in Detroit. I would love to find that out. But it's called Buena Vista, which means good sight. Um, I I noticed uh, Buena Vista in in the film, which just made it scary because we here living in L.A., we're not too far from a Buena Vista street. Yeah, there's Buena Vistas everywhere. Yeah. So. Which I'm like, uh, okay, yeah. That, but it made it all the more real. Uh, well, <laughs> even more interesting, it's supposed to take place in Detroit. It was primarily shot in Hungary. Oh. So it would have yeah. kind of made sense if Buena Vista was like in L.A. and they shot in L.A.? Nope, they shot in Hungary. Hungary. Well, Hungary is actually really good for filming because there's usually like low lighting, clouding, mm-hmm. uh, cloudy, kind of overcast kind of sh- filming, which definitely had that in this film. Makes mm-hmm. it more gloomy. Yeah. Um, also, in terms of production value, right, that's something uh, we talked about the morality of the blind man. There's they, they were very particular to leave spots on the walls of where crosses used to hang. 
And he's taken down pretty much every single cross because he no longer believes in God. Mm. Yeah. So, interesting. Very interesting. I noticed the walls were very bare. And there there weren't, I mean, there were some photos, but they were on, like, shelves. There was really nothing hanging on the walls. Well, it got me thinking in some sort of weird way. Like, uh, obviously, when you're blind, you don't necessarily have the necessity to make things pretty. Right. Right? And so <laughs> the weird messed up part of me was like, well, can we put like all the blind people in one sort of location that's like a shitty part of town and then just let them live there? Because they don't care. Ah, uh, that's terrible. <laughs> Very terrible. Uh, <laughs> no, I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> all right. So moving on to uh, our, our director, Alvarez. The day. Yes. Um, we've talked about it before. He's known for Evil Dead. Um, but, uh, he, he, he says movies should be provocative and push the boundaries. And I think he definitely did that with this film because he also said in interviews that with the twist, he loved having the twist in this film because, uh, he knew going, being a film major or filmmaker himself, like he knew that he was going to win some audiences and lose some audiences. Um, just for like if they loved or hated this film and he's completely okay with that and i'm glad that he had the courage to do something as bold as having this messed up situation in his film mm-hmm. but he he knew that he was going to gain fans just uh who people who are fans of like psychological thrillers and who mm-hmm. are all obviously sadists as well. <laughs> well again i don't think you have to be a saint like even if you like that twist that doesn't mean you are in favor of turkey based uh, rape. Yeah. Like that's not what right. that's not what you're nestly implying. It's just like, oh wow. That's you know, that's an interesting way to, it's an interesting twist and it's done really well. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of the editing, uh so the they left it very open ended at the end, right? With the you know <laughs> and there's the news report and he's alive. He's alive I'm like, and I remember clearly thinking, I was like, oh, man, the bastard's still alive. <laughs> just can't kill that guy. Like, you can kill the dog, no. but you can't kill him. But, like, he doesn't have money, so why would people go after him anymore? Well, it's not that people are going after him. He's now going to dedicate his life. Because guess what? He's going it, after them. If he saw vengeance for the girl that uh, that killed his daughter, which I believe her name is Emma, because that's what's kind of in the background on picture or something like that uh guess what now this is someone that's broken into his house taken all of his money killed his only hope of another child mm-hmm. yeah i think he's coming after her really oh i don't want to see that and it's also scary because like she physically what we're led to believe is she left to go to california so she's physically in another state now so he really if he's really that gung-ho about getting vengeance or justice whatever you want to call it on his mental behalf and go after her he's gonna have to like really track her down i think he could he's got a nose for this stuff (laughs) he does but he's gonna have to like actually go on like online and book plane tickets and or whatever are you implying that blind people can't book plane tickets no i'm not i'm saying he has to really make the effort to track her down oh yeah because lazy was definitely an adjective for this man (laughs) no not really but i i don't know i'm just trying if it 
left it open-ended for a sequel. I'm just trying to think what the sequel could possibly entail. Don't look back. Pretty much, I guess. Uh, well, originally it was kind of different. So there was an original ending, and in it the action takes place at the bus station lobby where Rocky and Diddy, apparently that's the, uh, the sister's name, are walking through a crowd with their back, uh, with their back of money. Um, backpack of money. As, as the pair disappear into the sea of people, the camera drops down low and Crane enters the frame. It moves slow to scan every inch of the floor. Now, I would want to see, because I don't quite, like, is, is that just like, like a good ending? Like, okay, we're done with this. I'm not quite sure what that fully means. She walks away. Yes. Yeah, you know, she wins. Um, yes. Which, by the way, so one of the things we didn't talk about, that the movie opens up with him dragging her. Yeah. Uh, term we call it Medius Rays. Yes. There you go, in the middle of the action. I like that because the very first shot, we can clearly tell it's a man, and you can tell it's a woman he's dragging. And so throughout the whole film, I'm like, something's going to happen to her, something's going to happen to her, he's going to get her. So I, I, I had that coming. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing, I, I sort of forgot about it, and I didn't really need it. It's just, I think it... It answers too many questions that I didn't want answered and asked too many questions that I didn't want to ask at that point. Mm. You know, I thought, like, it worked really well enough without that. Um, that I, I just think, you know, that there's certain times to use it. And I, I think it's just become too widely used at this point that I'm just like, why? Yeah. You know, like, okay, here we are. And why don't we take you back? And it's a it stems from Odysseus because Odysseus did it that way. And it's like, come on, right? You don't need and it. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was needed because even when the movie does catch up with itself to that point, still there was still more to be done in the film. So we don't know if she was still alive or if she was dead when he was dragging her. So like, I liked it open up those questions, but it didn't add to the film. Yeah, I, I just think your mind's racing too much at the beginning when it doesn't need to be or it shouldn't be on that. You should. So I'm, I don't know. I'm just. I, I think it's overused and it doesn't add anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and at that point, like, here's the thing: uh, we didn't really know about anything, so it's just it's just weird in that way. But there's certain TV shows, like in you know seasons two or three, they'll start to maybe use that technique. Um, and then at least you have a bit of context and it means something. This is just so many questions that, that just don't need to be asked at that certain point. Right. And at least for this movie. Yeah. And also it's, it's that, um, one of the questions also at that, the beginning shot, you see, it's clearly in the middle of the day, there's light out and there's no one else around. So it just begs the question, like how many people are actually in that area? They could essentially get away with anything and no one would see there would be no witnesses so the fact that he's even dragging someone clear midday in sunlight in the middle of the freaking street and i also also thought you know at that point like if you really dig into it you're like okay well the other two based on this are pretty much gonna die Mm -hmm. there's no hope for anybody nope um all right in terms of the music uh, very interesting sound design. Rocky Banos. Yeah. Um, we've talked about him before in the movie Risen and In the Heart of the Sea. He's, he's done a lot. And, Evil uh, Dead, The Machinist. Yeah, he, quite a, we covered a bo- bunch of these movies. Yeah. 
Um, what I liked about uh, how he composed the music for this, he actually used household items and made music from them. And he, because he wanted to enhance the the feeling of claustrophobia um, from everyday objects that you see in your house. Pipes, cans, hammers. Yeah. Banging on... Saws. On things, which would make it even more scary. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so, and obviously very unlike his other scores. Yeah. No. <laughs> so. Creative, though. Very creative. Absolutely. Uh, in 2015, he won uh, Gandhi. Uh, Gaudi, I think it's pronounced, uh, it's the Spanish equivalent of an Oscar for the best original score uh, for El Nino. El Nino. I have not seen it, but I believe I have heard of it, though. You heard of El Nino? El Nino. You heard of it? Comes every now and then. Not just the hurricane. <laughs> the movie as well? Yeah. I imagine the movie is about El Nino. Probably. Um, otherwise, it's about a guy named Nino. Nino. Or the boy, El Nino. That's what. It- it translates to. Fair enough. Um, this movie premiered a while back at South by Southwest on uh, March. Which, March. Wow, that's a while ago. So to go pretty much, you know, two quarters of the year. I mean, you, you, you haven't even started the summer, and now we're ending the summer with it. Right. Um, I think it's good that it's lasted, or like it's premiered such a long time ago, and pe- people weren't spoiling it. That it still retained its effect at the end. Absolutely. It's good for them. Uh, Very much so. And I think, uh, you know, Zach, unfortunately, who in the booth did not see this movie yet, has unfortunately had everything spoiled for him. Yep. (laughs) Uh, However, you know, um, I think many people, and I I tried to as much as I could. I wanted to talk about it with people. And whenever I've been recommending it to people, I didn't give them that spoiler. Because even though I wanted to talk about it with them, it's just... uh, it's one of those, you, you have like a common courtesy that you feel like with this movie, you just can't break. Right. And you can't really recommend it to people because you don't know how the person going to react to oh, something it to as serious as this. Listen, <laughs> you know what? I, no, <laughs> here's the thing. Just, just, just don't, in the spirit of which this is intended, don't, don't let people who have suffered that sort of... Uh, tragedy mm-hmm. see this movie is the best way i can say that right right um and hopefully you know what i mean uh worldwide it's made 30 million which is that's for a nine million good. dollar budget yeah that's, the, that's three that's a that's a 3x multiplier right and that's the amazing thing with just scary movies or thriller movies that that's why they keep making them because they can make so many films pump out so much content for a little amount of dollars and still make a lot out of it because people will go to see it. They love this shit. But they also got to be good. Like Lights Out was good. Yeah, it was. This was good. Yeah, it was. So, so I mean, good for them. And I like definitely put Fide more on the map. Absolutely. Um, it beat out Suicide Squad. Woohoo! Yeah, knocked them out of well, first. Oh my god! Like who does that? Suicide don't Squad. breathe the... I don't know what I don't know what like speaks more volumes. The fact that uh, it beat out Suicide Squad or that Suicide Squad got beat out. Uh, <laughs> I think it's both. Um, I, I think it's good um, because to have a little movie like this that generally people only saw promotions for maybe a month beforehand, 
uh, I think it's good. It's maybe not the little engine that could, you know? Yeah. Um, a couple of... Uh, I, I looked up eight other movies that topped the box office that are also about Detroit. Gran Torino, Four Brothers, Eight Mile the Crow, Bird on a Wire, Presumed Innocent, RoboCop, and even though the title's a bit deceiving, Beverly Hills Cop, because it comes <laughs> from Detroit. I've actually seen most of those, so... Um, yeah. 86% on Rotten Tomatoes based off 120 reviews. A B plus, however, on Cinema Score. Yeah. That must be for the... Uh... For the people who didn't like the twist ending. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, but 86, that's high. Especially for a scary movie where I feel people are way more critical on scary movies because they're expecting everything. Yeah. So, I mean, good for them. And... Believe it or not, this is a B movie. Like that twist ending makes this a B movie. Yeah. And B movies don't get that type of score on Rotten Tomatoes. Nope. Um all right. Well that's all we have for today. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Um I'm not sure if I would recommend this to people. You could probably watch this movie as a study case for psychology class or something, or criminal behavior class. Um, but if you if you like a good psychological thriller, definitely watch this film. Then I think this is a great date night movie. Really, <laughs> really, absolutely. No, go see it with your girl or your guy. I would not see this on a date. Or your it, whatever your exceptions. <laughs> I don't know anymore. With uh, your significant other. Um. So there you have it. Uh, <laughs> I'm very curious to know your thoughts on this movie. I think it is a very polarizing movie, one way or the other. But please, don't just be, you know. What what I appreciate about you guys is that you guys are able to articulate your thoughts. And even sometimes I'm blown away how well you guys can articulate your thoughts so much. So I'm like, ah, I never thought of that. Please do that with this movie. Uh, it's it's such an interesting movie that I think it you know it deserves it and you guys have been great about that so thank you as always um, on behalf of at Serafini TV that's right at that Zach Wilson in the booth who you can also catch on Sci-Fi Weekly if you're into that um, here on Popcorn Talk uh, thank you guys for joining us be sure to tune in for other uh, projects we've um, uh, a couple of mo- you know uh, we've Alex, done risen we've, we've done, done risen we've into done the heart of sea that's right alexander uh, and the terrible horrible no good day we've, we've done even that. done robocop we've done goosebumps um so we've done quite a bit of these movies and next week we've got uh morgan coming up um or is it lucy i forget which is the name it's of it's morgan <laughs> that's a joke uh, for those of you who know lucy um and also um what's the other one life between the- notions that's right, the new Alicia Vikander movie, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited. Um, and uh, now we're getting into the Oscar-type movies, so something to look forward to. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time on another Anatomy of a Movie. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.